In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie. To support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist, Join us on June 13th, coast to coast, as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Oh, and welcome to the Metrospective, Pete McCarthy, along with Tim Britton. How are you, Tim? Doing okay, Pete. I'm glad we're not on Zoom for this one. First of all, because my internet connection is better when we're not on Zoom. And second of all, because I attempted to trim my hair today by myself. Ooh. And it was a mistake. <laughs> just a mistake? You know, you Mistakes just were buzz made. it. Why are you trying to get scissors out and do a real haircut? Like, that's not a good idea. Pete, you know what my hair looks like. This isn't a buzzed head. I can't do that. I can't do that to myself. I've never done that, uh, and I'm not about to start now. This is the time to start, Tim, and uh, I think the mirror might agree based on what you're saying. You need to post a picture on Twitter immediately. I think that uh, that has to happen. But uh, we have uh, an excited guest to break down the, the labor negotiations between Major League Baseball and the Players Association and, and much more. Evan Drellich uh, of The Athletic uh, joining us right now. Of course, Mets fans know you, Evan. You broke the huge Astros cheating scandal that resulted in, in Carlos Beltran being dismissed as, uh, as the manager. Tim really cares about his hair. If anybody <laughs> listening doesn't know that, his hair might be his defining quality. And he's got a pretty big brain. So it's, it's saying something. And I'll say this. Uh, you provided some breaking news just before we went on about Tim Britton that I think matches up with any story you've broken before. I ordered a pizza pie today. Tim and I live in, in, in the same neighborhood. Tim has been in this neighborhood for two years and like three months and has never once, not one time, had delivery. Not only pizza, not anything, which is insane. Well, we, we've ordered Amazon, you know, we've had things delivered, no, 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 but like no, no. food no, or, or anything like that. I mean, like uh, living in Queens, this is the strength of Queens, right? You can get anything within like a five minute walk. So like, for instance, today I needed wine because we're, we're pretty much out of wine. Uh, and, you know, the, the closest store that is open at the moment, actually, I, f I found one closer on the walk, but was 15 minutes walk away. And they do free delivery, but I wanted to get outside. Uh, I wanted to pick up some wine, so I, I walked the 15 minutes there and the 15 minutes back. That was my exercise for the day. Have you never uh, been busy? Never had a rainy night? <laughs> ba baseball isn't happening <laughs> right now, so I'm certainly not busy now. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't have to eat dinner at home as much as most people because I'm usually eating it at work during a normal season. Uh, and... You know, I, I like going outside to pick up stuff. I don't like making people deliver stuff to my door. It also costs you know more money. You have to means. tip them more. It, it's 
We gotta send you to the burbs, Tim. I think uh, <laughs> I think that's that's where you're truly a, a fit. But let, let's get to the topic at, at hand here with Evan, and Evan's been doing tremendous reporting for The Athletic uh, on this negotiation between the Players Association and Major League Baseball, along uh, with Ken Rosenthal, of course. And, and Evan, I, I think all anyone wants to know is one question, which is totally unfair to spring on you, but we'll start here. Will we have baseball this year? Right now, it's pretty clear we're going to. The bigger question is, does the union fight the, the choice to play 50 games, to let the league set the schedule. Because in that March agreement that everybody's referenced a million times, it seemed to give the power to the league to set a schedule. But that's not ideal. Nobody really wants this to be the case here. So does the union fight it? Do they go along with it? What do they work out for an opt-out for guys who might not want to play for health reasons? Because that was going to be part of a new deal. And the whole thing that's going on right now is they're saying we're not going to make a new deal. And then long-term, what are the repercussions? Uh, so it's, it's a big, big can of worms. Going back to that, that March agreement, you said it seemed to leave the door open for, for owners to kind of unilaterally schedule a season like this. How, it really does appear as if everything that people, both sides thought that they agreed to in that March agreement is still up for debate at this point. Like what are, why are there so many mis- different interpretations of that, that agreement? It's a really good question as to why the wording in it was somewhat ambiguous. The other debated point in that agreement uh, was a mention of needing a a good faith discussion about the economic feasibility of playing without fans. And the league thinks the union has completely misrepresented that to the players, basically suggesting that the union has lied to players, saying that compensation had already been worked out when the league is pointing to that clause is look no we were intending to redo this at some point anyway but the bottom line is there's nothing in that march agreement that makes the players take a lower pay cut a lower amount of pay this part of the agreement that we're referencing here about setting the schedule i don't think is quite as ambiguous the wording that if the union chose to fight it uh, that it would point to is it says it's got to be the, the league's quote best efforts to play as many games as possible. Um, what makes a best effort? Well, what makes something economically feasible? Is it if the owners say they can afford it or not afford it? So, uh, you know, all the, these different ways you can slice the agreement, it doesn't really matter unless one side pushed it in front of an arbitrator. And, and you actually had them fighting over it where an arbitrator could award the money to one side or the other. The Last Dance documentary has brought up the ongoing debate that no one will ever win. Is Michael Jordan the GOAT or is LeBron the GOAT? Well, one thing we do know for sure is Manscaped is the GOAT for men's grooming. It's the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. And that's important because you don't want any snags or anything bad like that happening. They have ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, uh, so it will design your own triangle offense down under. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit. It comes with a cordless body trimmer. It is water-resistant. 
uh, performance boxer briefs come as well, as well as a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code THEATHLETIC. What about this, Evan? If you're an owner, you're in it for the long term. And we have seen the value of these franchises grow exponentially over the years. If they were to take a loss for one season for the greater good of the long-term health of the sport, which I think we all agree would be in big-time trouble if they couldn't find a way to get back on the field in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, especially if all the other professional sports are able to get back to it. What kind of a, a pressure does that put on on the owners? And is that a fair expectation that, hey, you've made all this money over the years. Why should the players have to share in your loss for one season? Yeah, there's a lot of different topics attached to it. And the whole this whole arena we're playing in is it's basically a Rorschach test for how people look at fairness in, in the broader world in, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. The question of what an owner can afford is almost a misleading question. What does that mean? Does it mean what can he uh, spend without selling off all of his assets? What can he spend without um, literally going homeless? Uh, Or or what can he spend such that he feels comfortable with his profit levels uh, in, in a given year? The reality is the owner's in basically every instance, get to choose what they're comfortable with. When, they, when, when you have the owner of a big market team that says, I cannot spend on this player, that does not mean literally he could not spend. It means he's choosing not to spend because in his paradigm of doing business, it does not work for, for wh- whatever his purposes are, whatever his outlook is. Uh, so, so the wording in, in some way matters here. They're taking on debt. There's arguments about whether some of the, there's arguments about the accounting practices, and there, there was a uh, note a couple probably about a week ago now from Scott Boris uh, advising his players that got out in the media, uh, t- basically talking about how he believes owners are leveraging the teams and and uh, the fine the highest level finances in the sport are are difficult to understand. I don't think anybody is actually going under this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, But on the more philosophical point that you're referring to, can't the owner stomach one bad year? Well, that's part of the argument is this isn't a revenue-sharing sport. It's not like if the the sport is doing great, the owners directly turn around and hand over the profits to the players. You can argue in free agency – that eventually there is that trickle down, but it's not as direct as, hold on, we don't have fans coming in, so we need to redo our economics for this year, as the owners are asking. How much has the relationship between the union and the owners, uh, I guess, um, fallen apart in the last couple of years? Like, would this process, would this negotiation uh, be going on better terms if we hadn't had the free agency issues we've had the last few years, if we hadn't had the service time grievances the last few years? Like, is, this, is it almost like set up to fail based on the, the relationship eroding over the last few years? Hmm. Set up to fail, I don't know, but there's, there's no question there's, there's distrust and, and, and now long-standing distrust. Service time, 
tanking, the use of revenue sharing dollars by those four teams that the union filed a grievance against that is still technically pending. I think it's been stayed essentially. So it's, it's kind of hanging out there. They can pursue it when they want to or if they want to. Um, yeah, it, it, people are paying attention now, but I know you guys know that the volume between Tony Clark and Rob Manfred has been high and aggressive for some time. You know, it's not like this is the first moment that they're at each other's throats. It's, it's the first moment where so much kind of directly and imminently hangs in the balance. You know, service time is one thing, whether or not you're playing a 2020 season and, and quite at how many games it is, uh, is a whole other. And then the question of, well, who's to blame for the deterioration of it becomes a whole other uh, string of finger pointing. And, and people uh, question tactics of, um, oh, we can't get along with this person or we can't get along with that person, particularly when it's pointed at the union. Um, that's, that's one of the things that union folks look at as kind of a typical labor tactic from management to, to divide people and say, you know, if we just got rid of whoever, uh, a lawyer, uh, a director at the union, then things would, would go well. But th- there's longstanding animosity, as you're pointing to. You know, Pete, one of the hardest parts of this quarantine, for me at least, has been figuring out, you know, what's open, where can I go, where can I get out of my apartment to get food, to get anything in this city. Uh, so, most of our listeners in and around the city, you're going through the same thing. So what better way to promote your business than through our show, where you're stuck listening to at home? Our listeners are loyal and engaged. So what better way to advertise your business than on your favorite podcast, The Metrospective? To advertise on this very show, just go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads. There you can fill out a very simple form. We'll get back to you right away. So go to theathletic.com slash podcast ads today. For all the reasons that you've discussed here, and then, of course, on top of that, the, the coronavirus issue in terms of keeping players healthy and, and trying to do that. We've seen in, in Japan a couple of players uh, test positive now, and there's some question as to whether or not they'll be able to start up in mid-June, as uh, they are hoping. Uh, for all those reasons, why are you optimistic that we will see baseball this year? So, in some way, it's, it's about the technicality of all of this, because are you, are you saying strictly on the health level? Well, for both. For both the finances and the coronavirus. Right at the top, you said we're going to see baseball this year. Yeah. So I'm wondering, for all of these you know, multiple reasons that we could not see a season, why you believe there will be baseball this year? Yeah, I, I've been saying for a while, and I still believe this is true, that the, the, the real question is, is whether we see a season completed, whether or not we, the sport can get through the pandemic. That March agreement basically has to be honored if they don't have a new agreement. So unless something stops it from a health perspective, which always could happen, but unless something stops it there, the players can't just say, we don't like the terms of this the March agreement rules, you know, that, that takes precedent in this moment. And it gives the commissioner basically the power to not start the season or to start the season. But the commissioner has signaled every intent at this moment 
to play. You know, they, they, they've kind of made the headway on the health protocols that they wanted to. It's not totally done, um, but th there will be enough of an agreement on that. And it's not like one side can sit there and go, we're not playing based on we don't like the terms. They have terms worked out already in March. So the, the, this whole uh, distressing effort that we've seen unfold here has been to make a new agreement. But absent a new agreement, that original agreement doesn't disappear. Hmm. Who's, whose turn is next? Whose move is it here? We've had the, the owners... Uh, float the original proposal, the 82 games with, with some severe pay cuts. The Players Union came back with the 114 games, full prorated pay. Uh, and now the owner's talking about, uh, a f you know, kind of the 50-game the season with, with full prorated pay. Uh, that, that's not an official proposal, like, like you said. Uh, is, it time, do, is it now the union's turn to come back with something? Do they wait for the owners to uh, impose this? Like, like who, what side of the court is the ball on right now? The union would tell you it should have been on the league side, but the league has, has uh, made clear that they're not going to send another one over. So th they're both staring and pointing at each other, saying, no, you have to change your position. I, I think the most likely thing that happens from here is you start to see preparations for this 50-game season. They're so dug in on their positions that to see one side go to the other and say, okay, I give, I give, you know, we're, we're, yeah. the players all of a sudden are going to flip-flop and say, no, we'll take a 20% pay cut. I, I, I just would be surprised to see that. And so that goes back to, will the union fight it? it it's basically, basically in the union's court. They, they can, they can they'll, they'll eventually get word from the league, barring a massive change of heart from the league, that this 50-odd game season is going to be played. And then the union has a choice. They can, they can go along with it and prepare their guys, um, or they can fight it. I guess, theoretically, you could, you could do both at the same time. Um, so if you're making me choose one, it's, it's the union, but you need the league to, to signify whether or not it's actually doing this 50-game plan, and, and every reason, every sign points to they are. Will individual players have the ability to say, you know what, this isn't worth the risk for me? Likely, so it, it was something that was expected to be part to be part of a new agreement. Um, I don't think in any scenario, new agreement, old agreement, whatever, you would see the league like literally collar a guy and say, "No, you're playing. You get out there." The the issue comes down to pay and service time. If a guy does not play, does he get either of those things? And uh, the proposal the union had sent over. That, that's already been rejected, said that for high-risk players or players who live, are living with people who are high-risk, they could opt out and receive both pay and service time. And that for anybody else, you would only be getting service time. What they actually end up working out here, I don't know. It, it's possible that high-risk people are the only ones who would get service time and money, and then if, if you're not high-risk and you opt out, you get neither. Um, it, it's just unclear at this point, but I, I checked on this point today and I can't see it being the case that they don't work out something to allow this. And I would think it, it would be star players, guys that have already made their money, that have bigger names, that might be willing to say, hey, I can forego pay for a year. I don't want to 
put myself or my family at risk. Maybe, but there's... It's a complicated set of questions. Will then they be painted as letting their teammates down? I imagine we'll see a handful of people who have legitimate health concerns. Mm -hmm. Whether there are some who who are on the fence. You you could talk about free agents. Would free agents do it? Would it benefit them? Well, it goes back to the question of are you still getting service time if you sit out and Mm -hmm. and you're not high risk? And then what does that indicate to teams that want you if if you didn't have to sit out but you chose to anyway and and i'm not saying that anybody who who makes a decision for health reasons should should be um demerited for it it's you know but no but look i mean that'll be part of the conversation and and surely front offices amongst fans as you mentioned amongst teammates perhaps so it's really interesting how some of this could shake out yeah, I, I, my gut, for whatever reason, says you're not going to see a massive or, or even um, particularly uh, sizable, you know, okay. chunk of players to now. But, but I, you know, I haven't sent around a scientific poll at this point. I'll, I'll work on that. Is, <laughs> do, do you think we've seen the last, last uh, week or so, like the NHL and NBA move toward more concrete plans? You know, a, a couple of weeks back, Major League Baseball was talking about leading the way, returning to, to the field and, and kind of beating the other sports there and having the, the, the calendar to itself. Is there any more pressure put on the league, uh, on, the, on the league or the union, I should say, uh, because the other sports kind of have it figured out at the moment? Yes, probably on both, but more so, I think, on the league office. And it goes back to the different natures of these sports. When, when those other sports stop, there's there's no real necessary discussion about what the economics look like because fans or no fans, it's all going to end up being accounted for when you have revenue sharing. If if players in uh, in hockey are getting whatever the number is right now, forty eight percent, well, that's forty eight percent with fans or without fans. And baseball's economic system is is simply different uh, and something the players have fought for for a long time so the look is bad the particulars of it make it a little bit more understandable not that the way they've dragged this out but the fact that baseball would have more to overcome here makes makes some intuitive sense how much of a factor are the television networks and whether or not you know they want the the postseason the playoffs at a certain time whether it be in October or maybe later you're crossing over into some big college football games and whatever else uh, might be on the sports calendar there, and it's not your typical uh, schedule where baseball, to some degree, rules the roost in October. Yeah, I've had to uh, try to take a really quick crash course in understanding just how uh, RSNs work and and all the money here. And and it it really does vary on, on who you talk to on some points like for example one of the things that that we were told is uh fox wouldn't want the world series later than it's normally scheduled because you have election dollars coming in you you push it into november well the election's already passed and and then there was another conversation with someone else who, who who knows well how these things go and they were saying that's a bit of an oversimplification that um, oftentimes uh, 
they're, the commercials are, are market to market rather than kind of a nationwide approach. I, I wish I could tell you exactly what every network is thinking, but there's no question it, it's a factor um, in what they're doing because they're partners, right? And, and, and they try to think about the other as partners. That's why you're probably not going to see, at least for now, refunds. You're not going to see RSNs or the national partners saying, hey, give me the money back. It probably will become a credit. You know, if, if you paid for 140 games this year, if you're the local, uh, the local network and you only get, you know, whatever, 50, um, you'll probably ask for a credit for next year. And, and maybe if it is that extreme a difference, there, there is a refund at some point, but they want to keep each other happy is, is the bottom line. There are certain times when you don't want to have to go to the doctor's office to get help for a medical condition. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment as soon as possible. So that's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You'll also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments, and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com Mets for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Mets for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. And we thank you for supporting our sponsors. Well, one of the things you and, and Ken Rosenthal wrote about in your, your latest story was you kind of talked about the negotiations for this year's draft, which is coming up next week, and how you know the, the March agreement laid out possibilities to, to play around with five, ten rounds in the bonus size, uh, and it ended up just being kind of the the league office pr- proposing reduced bonuses and the, the union saying nah, and the league office kind of unilaterally imposing five rounds then. Uh, and that, that's kind of been how this negotiation has gone. Did, do you see the, the union as, like, h- how big a specter is next year's CBA negotiations that, that the union doesn't want to give in on anything, concede anything, to set up for those negotiations down the line? Yeah, there's no question that what happens now can color what happens later and a feeling that they can't allow the league to keep double dipping in essence that there has to be a line drawn the interesting thing with the draft and also with this moment the total number of dollars that would have gone to players in a 10 round draft would have been greater than the total number of dollars going to players in a five round draft now but the union was not swayed by that total number of dollars argument because of what else was coming along with those 10 rounds. There were restrictions on the number of undrafted guys you could sign for uh, $20,000. Uh, right now it's unlimited. If they had taken that other deal, it would have been uh, no more than five, and then you couldn't have signed anybody else for more than 5,000. So five guys at 20K, and then it would have been $5,000 for anybody else who was undrafted. 
so they, they, they made a choice to not look at that, that absolute bottom line dollar figure, at least for, for 2020, uh, and, and say that's paramount. You know, the, the, they, they're, they're looking at what else is going along with it. And the same thing might be happening uh, right now, where if, they, if there was ever a proposal, and, and there wasn't to this point, but let, let's say they had come to some sort of agreement on uh, an 82-game schedule at, like, I don't know, 15% pay cuts. The, the initial proposal the league made was 33%. That was, that if you average it all out, it was a third off of, of what they were going to get prorated. Um, but if, if, if they had done that, if they had played 80, uh, 80 games for 80% of the money, they'd probably be making more in total than they are in a 50-game season. But once again... They're, they're looking at something more than just that bottom line. Uh, and and it, it does go back to a really core question for the players and, and certainly for the hardliners of how they feel they are treated uh, and, and what they can allow the league to do or not do. That does not mean there's no disagreement with that. There's certainly people who look at it and go, wait, you, there, there's more total money for players in this other scenario. We should have done that. Um, and, and there's a lot of different interests to navigate there you've got agents who are looking out for themselves and it's uh it's a cluster you know what uh my friends yeah it's, it's interesting to see like the union is the one taking kind of the longer term view than maybe ownership and you would expect it to maybe be the other way around i you know i hadn't thought of it directly in in those terms i don't think the league is uh short on well i guess it's a matter of opinion uh, you know, foresight hasn't exactly been their, their forte in, in recent years in, in different ways. Um, I, I don't think the league to this point expected its proposal, the one proposal it did send over, to strike quite this, the chord it did, where there seems to be a little bit more dissent amongst the player ranks up until the point when the league made that proposal with the tiered pay cuts. And then the players were like, no. Nah. You know, even, even the moderates... And the agents uh, who, who are sometimes critical of the union, um, everybody kind of rallied around that, that hardliner stance because of that. And if that's some sort of long-term tactic on behalf of the commissioner's office, I fail to see what it is because that feels counterproductive to both their short-term and long-term interests, just as uh, it was surprising that they even floated revenue sharing. I, I guess it shouldn't be that surprising because it's something they've always wanted. They've always wanted a salary cap, but you know they should have been able to see that, that this group would react so negatively to it. And then is there, like, you know, clearly over the last few weeks, whatever goodwill anyone felt about a baseball season, about, you know, players coming back and inspiring the rest of the country during a difficult time uh, has gone away. Is there any way to get any of that back? Can baseball come out on a positive side from a public relations standpoint where when they're finally playing a game this year, people feel good about it. <laughs> like, like what is the, what is the best case scenario for the sport at this point? Well, you know, a rods on Sunday night baseball. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I, I, I think once the game is on the field, it's like, it's like anything else people forget. And, and it, it's the same, it's the same thing when anybody says that baseball is dying. Yeah, I mean, people, look, if, if there were no baseball this year, I do think it would be quite problematic in the short term. But um, 
Oh, my phone is ringing. Um, I, 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 what was I saying? You're saying our podcast will no longer be good tomorrow because your phone just rang. Yeah, it's my mother. I have to call her back. <laughs> um, okay, we're good. <laughs> no, I look, I think when the sport comes back on the field, you're going to have enough excitement, right? People will have, have had such a... Don't, don't you think, Tim? And Pete? Once, once people see their baseball players out on the field, uh, they'll be happy and they'll be thankful. I mean, I think I think it did take a little bit in 1995, for instance. People were, you know, the I, I would be interested in seeing what the attendance per well attendance doesn't really matter in these days, I guess. Uh, but but you know, it took people would say like it took Ripken's streak that year. It took the home run race in '98 to really bring baseball back. But that uh, wasn't just but that's them if getting we back didn't to play. play, right? Like that. Like I think I think the '94 comparison rings true if if they did not have a season but if it ends up being 50 games yeah people are gonna be pissed about not having those extra games but i don't know i i i still think people will be happy that the sport returned i don't think it helps that they go right into a, a cba negotiation right afterwards so as much as fans just hate the bickering over money you're immediately gonna go right back into that uh come the off season but i i want to ask you evan i mean look you get into sports writing, I'm sure, because you enjoy sports, you enjoy watching the stories, everything around it, and when you have to dive into the business aspect of it as deeply as you have, and, and you did a nice job breaking it down over the course of this uh, this podcast here, well, you're not only seeing how the sausage is made, I mean, you're trying to deconstruct it here. What is it like for you going through all of this when, you know, look, the, the numbers aren't out there, and, and you're trying to sort out all these different revenue streams, and then... Uh, you know, the rhetoric from both sides here. I, I've told a few other writers that I wish the players would trash talk each other the way the league and the union does. <laughs> the, the sport would be so much better. I, I, you know, I, 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 this is a path of my own choosing. I enjoy um, these topics. The, the frustrating and difficult thing is you're right, is we don't always have every piece of information that you would want. You don't, you don't, know, you don't have access to the owner financials so writing a lot of this is it's a bear you 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 know every line matters and and the wording can be so particular sometimes uh particularly with losses what does a loss mean the owners are going to lose x amount of dollars this year do you mean relative to what they expected to make Uh, do you mean there are operating costs within 2020 so the stories they are they are pains you know they're not easy um but ken and i for whatever strange reason enjoy these topics uh and it it is it's satisfying to gain an understanding of how things work it's like this childlike uh instinct to just ask but how does that work Hmm. no but how does that work and that's kind of my career well it's, uh, it's illuminating for all of us go ahead tim what pizza did you get this afternoon? <laughs> Lenny's, Lenny's and Sunnyside, uh, chicken, tomato, onion, garlic pie, added spinach. Mm. That's a lot going on. Well, the standard pie is chicken, tomato, and onion and garlic is like not really noticeable, but the the, the spinach was was the add-on. It came incredibly quickly too. It was like it was too quick. Tim wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, free, I, I have Evan? no idea. What's that, Pete? Fork free? 
What, what am I, an animal? <laughs> we never know. You're going after Tim. I just got to make sure you're covering your own bases. A fork for pizza? No. I, and, and just in case anybody's wondering, I do fold. Yes. It's a good fold. Evan Drellich, uh, always a pleasure. And uh, we appreciate you coming on and uh, you know, simplifying a very complicated topic in the way that you did. Thank you, Evan. I got to go Thanks, call Evan. my mom. <laughs>